Your professor can't go to every single person and be like, what's your strategy? Let's watch your footage. Like, that's what you pay private lessons for. And you can do that option as well. Like, book a private with someone and ask them all the questions. But like, it's, there's no, there's no book. Like, there, there should be a book. I'm gonna keep saying this and then someone's gonna make a book. Welcome everyone to another episode of Elbows Tight Podcast. It's your host, Travis. Today, we have a phenomenal conversation with Heather Woods. She is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt under Andre Galval down in San Diego, California. She currently lives in Mexico, where she trains and teaches at a local academy. This conversation is great. We talk a lot about her online coaching for Jiu-Jitsu athletes and how you can get better on the mats for competition. Heather is a high-level competitor with multiple titles and accolades. She's a wealth of knowledge, and what we discussed today is something any aspiring competitor within Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, whether you're white or black, can gain from. We discuss multiple topics to include her journey through Jiu-Jitsu, what it's like training at Autos down in San Diego, the importance of competing and being prepared to compete, whether you should be taking privates with your instructor before competing or not, and common mistakes that she sees when people first start competing. If you like what you hear and you want to follow or work with Heather, everything is going to be down in the description below. Go give her a follow. Remember, check out all of our sponsors. And thank you guys so much for listening and watching at home. And remember, give us a five-star review and follow us everywhere. And we'll check you later. Thank you guys. Peace. So... All right, Heather, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's, this is always the most awkward part because you talk so naturally before and then there's the countdown and then like, you're like, now it's business time. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Um, just, I was telling you before, I just got back from wandering around the little market here in Mexico City and my neighbor uh, got me some really great deals and fruits and vegetables. So I got like proper treatment and yeah, it's a great day so far. What about you? Yeah. Not not bad. Uh, woke up around six o'clock because my my toddler wanted to start crying in his bed, which was always a fantastic thing. <laughs> but it's good. I got I got a little bit of coffee, and uh, I'm I'm excited to chat today. Talk about you know, like we mentioned before, talk about like competing. A lot of common mistakes for people competing because, um, you know, white belts and blue belts. Uh, I didn't compete for the first time until I was a blue belt, and like I mentioned on the episode that people will probably listen to if they listen to the show, I. I a lot of things happened that I didn't realize were going to happen in in it, whether it was timing, my nutrition, uh, warming up was a big thing. I had no idea how to warm up for it. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I'm excited to talk about it because you have, like we mentioned, you have your online coaching that helps people out too. So, But before we jump into that, let's just get a little bit of background of who you are for the people at home that might not know who you are, how you got into jujitsu, and uh, what brought you down to, to Mexico and everything like that. Okay. Um, so my name is Heather Woods and I've trained to almost 12 years now, 11, something like this. Um, I've competed all over the world. I competed in Australia, Brazil, France, England, the U S of course, Mexico, um, Australia. I don't know. Did I say Australia? Um, I've competed in a lot of places. Um, I traveled to a lot of places. I lived in a lot of places uh, until Purple Belt. I was pretty much going to different gyms every like six months in different countries, every four months, three months in different countries, different places. I had already planned kind of a trip. Um, 
and then I was just doing jujitsu along the way because I had found jujitsu. And um, yeah, I I lost a little bit <laughs> track of that. Um, yeah, and then I at purple belt, I went to Atos, and Galvao gave me my brown and black belt. Um, such an incredible school. I I love Atos so much. Like uh, the competition level just really feeds that that little part in my soul. There's so many good gyms out there in the world, but uh, the great thing about Atos is they have great athletes, great instruction, great business model, great curriculum. They have all the things necessary to be the best athlete. Like if you don't have a title in your, like it doesn't matter if you're master one, master two, like in your division is you because it's like they give you all the tools you need. It's a really fantastic place. Um, after that, I, um, oh, and, and I have some good titles, like uh, Master Worlds. Uh, I, I won a couple times the <clears throat> uh, Abu Dhabi Grand Slam. Um, I won uh, some, uh, we have one here in Mexico. I'm in Mexico now, ESL, which is a very prestigious one here. I think the most prestigious in Mexico. Um, and a lot of fight to wins. Yeah, some titles. And, um... I love to compete. I <laughs> I got a few injuries. You know, I'm in my 30s now. I got a few injuries recently. Had some help. Right there with you. <laughs> yeah, I came back to competing last year at uh, Nogi Worlds. I got second in my Master One division, um, which I am going to get first this year. So <laughs> this is what we're preparing for in Nogi Worlds. Um, and also really just growing as a coach. I really love that. Um, so that's a little bit about me. Oh, I'm from Idaho. Uh, I train there a lot. I have really good friends there. I love the Pacific Northwest. I train there as well. I have a lot of family there and I have a dog named Bolo. So that's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, that's a quite a lot of information. It's a, one thing that you didn't mention though, is what, what was your initial reason for starting jujitsu? Like, why did you actually decide to start? Okay. So I actually talked about this on other podcasts before, but, um, the, the short story is when I moved to L.A., I lived with a couple of MMA fighters. They fought for like Bellator and some other, I don't remember, it was like 12 years ago, um, some other smaller organizations, and they taught classes. And I was doing their Muay Thai classes, like Muay Thai pad class, so kind of like more of workout striking. My striking's, yeah, my striking's. <laughs> um, and they kept encouraging me, like, Heather, you're terrible on your feet. You're so clumsy. Like, you have no balance. You should do jujitsu. Do jujitsu. Like, you'll be so good at jujitsu. And I was like, no, like, that's gross. You guys always have, like, staff and ringworm, like, <laughs> filthy, and you smell bad. And I, I don't want to touch you guys. So um, I ended up selling everything after I finished college and starting to travel. And when I got to Brazil, I was like, oh, I like jujitsu. And. <laughs> And it was a little different. It wasn't like a bunch where I was 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 a little more traditional school, and it wasn't a bunch of smelly, scary guys with MRSA. Um, it was like I don't know if you imagine like a pretty traditional school with this yeah. like talking after class, sharing life, like um, I don't know life advice <laughs> that he's not qualified for. Uh, yeah, but it was like one of those. And so was um was a different experience and yes from the first time like the first armbar I was I was hooked I was like this is amazing I want to be a world champion so 
Yeah. So, so how long after you start did did your your desire to compete like ignite? I competed three months after in Man. in London, Clemsford, some some place in England, and I won both matches by armbar, and I had no idea what points were. And the coach who was there from the school, who was really nice, she, her name was Sarah, I think, and she was coaching me. She's like, Heather, hold for points. And I was like, <laughs> points? What? <laughs> what are points? <laughs> so, man, I wish I knew. I mean, I'm very glad that I, I got arm bars, that I, that I won by arm bars. It was the only position I knew. I was like, if I can just get to the arm bar, I will win. And in white and in blue, I won ninety percent of my matches. I'm sure by armbar. So, man, so so that's a a big mistake to to not know when you you Cute. first compete, right? Like uh, not knowing points. I didn't know anything. I barely knew how to tie my belt. Yeah. I, I I told the professor who owned the school. His name was Dickie Martin, and I was just visiting for two weeks. So I was like, I want to compete, and he was like, <laughs> Okay. And he was like, I'll sign you up because he was, it was his like local tournament, I think, something like this, or he was helping organize it. And he's like, how do you do with so-and-so, some girl? And I was like, I beat her, but like, I'm, I was bigger than her. So I was like, probably just because I'm bigger. And he was like, okay, give it a shot. And no one gave me like the, I mean, it wasn't their responsibility. Of course, I was just visiting, right. but like, there is no book in jujitsu on like, what what you need how to prepare like i didn't bring water i didn't (laughs) uh, like i said i didn't know how to tie my belt uh thank goodness i had like the right attire because one of the girls in the open class didn't and they i could see them all scrambling around trying to figure out like what for her to wear um and it just and then i watched the open class and actually i was like oh that's scary i'm not ready for that like there was this chick she's still my friend now uh amelia she's from hong kong and i was like wow she's amazing i want to be like her and i was not ready for open class because i didn't even know what points were and i right. read, i was like you're not ready heather what what are points you're going to get squished by this and she had like her hair perfect with the braids the gi was like the right length she had like her water bottle and her headphones and she was like ready. And I was like, I want to be like, I'm not ready. Shit. I'm scared. So, yeah. So that, I didn't, I didn't do open class that time. I ended up doing in the future once I knew what points were. So gentlemen, first impressions matter. And if you're not taking care of your skin, that's going to be the first thing someone notices and instantly thinks you're way older than you are, or you don't care about your appearance. Show them you do and make a great first impression with Caldera Lab. Caldera Lab reached out to me to promote their products and I gave it a month try before even bringing it on the podcast. And as someone that has had adult set on acne and growing up, my skin has always been a problem with me. It was something that I was a little bit hesitant about, but I I am super excited that I've started to work within them. Their stuff is phenomenal. I use it twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening, and my face has never felt better. In jujitsu, we often make the joke that <laughs> jujitsu adds lots of years onto your life and makes you look way older than you really are. Well, with Caldera Lab, you can stop that and you can make yourself look your age again. Whether you're an older practitioner or a younger practitioner, Caldera Lab has something for you and their products are great. Caldera Lab knows the skincare world is heavily female driven and has long been the wild west for men. That's why they're making the solution simple. The regimen includes three products, 
the clean slate, the base layer, and the good. The clean state starts and ends every day. The base layer is a daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day full of confidence. The Good is a multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother, as well as help reduce visible wrinkles and fine lines. And just for our audience, 20% off with code ELBOWSTIGHT at calderalab.com and make unforgettable first impressions that lean to the charming words, you look younger. Once again, that's 20% off at calderalab.com using code ELBOWSTIGHT or click the link down in the description below and use code elbows tight or 20% off. Thank you, Caldero's Lab, for sponsoring this episode. So um, how long did it take for you to start, like, developing these skills that, you know, competitors have that, like, myself as a hobbyist that's only competed once, yeah. uh, I didn't realize were skills until the first time I competed. And I started seeing the people around me. And typically, the guys that obviously compete more often are more level-headed. They're they have a proper warm-up. They t- might have a coach there, and if they don't, it's because they've competed so many times. They understand. When did you start developing your own kind of like game plan, whether you had a coach there or not? How long did that take? Purple belt. Like Purple. yes, I I feel like I kind of winged it, and I when I got to Atos, I had a friend. Her name is also Heather Heather Morgan, and I she's like, "What's your strategy?" I was like, "For what?" And she's like, for your competition. I was like, to win? And she's like, no, what's your, like, what's wrong with you? Are you stupid? And I was <laughs> oh. And then she really helped me, like, um, she helped me kind of prepare. Like, that's what I said. Atos really gives you the tools. Like, she had already won worlds at white and blue, I believe, by that time. And I think, she, um, I'm not exactly sure. We've always been similar to the same belt, pretty close. But, um. I I'm pretty sure yeah and she she helped me like okay well like what's your strategy let's talk about it and she explained that to me and I was like wow I had no idea and so I think that's what the skills you're referring to because like in the beginning I was like oh I just want armbar but as I got to the end of blue belt especially at like worlds I I would go against these incredible girls from all over the world who had strategies, who had preparation, who had proper nutrition, who had everything that they needed. I went against all these girls who had like the proper training. And if my only strategy, which I kind of had a strategy, I just didn't realize it as a blue belt, which was like close guard armor. But if what happens if they pull guard? What happens if I um, jump close guard, but they already like stick their knee in? and start to pass what's my open guard. Like there was so many things and I didn't realize that until, until Atos, until Purple Belt. And then I was like, oh, okay. And that's actually, we'll talk about the program later, but that's part of what I do in the program is help people build their strategies and figure out what's good for them. A lot of times we end up changing it because people will, jujitsu is taught for, a group, right? So, for example, what's your gym? Virtuous Fitness or Virtuous Grappling up in Silverdale, Washington. Awesome. How many people are in a class? Oh, man. Uh, on a good day, 10, 15, maybe. Okay. So, we're a very small academy. There, but even that 15 people, they're teaching from the small little lady to yeah. you. You're, you don't look so small. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm I'm like five eight, two hundred pounds. No, yeah, like 
Yeah. You're a dirty guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, they ha- like, as professors, in a class, you have to teach to everyone. You have to teach to the class. So sometimes the strategies don't always fit the body type. So that's another thing we work on. But anyway, that was about the time that I started to um, kind of get the, like, I feel like you're saying, like, the skills. Um and more just that I would say, I would probably say like the tools that I needed um, was around Purple Belt. So, yeah. How, how did you take those lessons learned and develop them into this like coaching plan? Because, you know, some things are definitely more prominent and more important than others uh, when it comes to like coaching and people like that. Like I didn't realize when, when I was competing, my, my professor is like a high level wrestler uh, Carlson Gracie black belt. And, uh, he was like, he was asking me questions and he's like, what's your takedown? And I was like, he's like, don't pull guard. You guys are too big to be pulling guard. He's like, that he's like, yeah. he's like, you have to go for a takedown. He's like, and I was like, well, I didn't, I didn't really think about that. Like, I kind of like which we just did in class. He's all like, he's like, well, that's not going to work. He's like, cause you know, that's, that's more of X, Y, and Z. And I was like, okay. And so it just started getting my gears turning. And so I just instantly started paying attention more to like everything that was happening, even leading up to the competition and stepping on the mats because, uh, it was just like, so it was like crazy to me. So how, how long did it, or how did you take those lessons learned and like develop them into, uh, like your, your coaching? Um, the, well, first, how did I take those lessons learned? Not well, because I'm sensitive and I don't like to lose. So I'm sensitive and competitive. Um, I don't <laughs> well, but, um, I think what I I just kind of did it was and and I have to be completely honest I've had this coaching program for about a year now and it's taken me about it took me about six months to really dial into the perfect plan and how to mold it to each individual um and that being said is like I I feel that I kind of assessed all the things that were necessary and looked at it as like a holistic approach. So for example, um we have someone who does nutrition. We have a nutritionist. I use Electrum Performance Strength and Conditioning program. So Alex Sterner, the CEO of Electrum Performance, he wrote a program. He actually wrote me three plans. Um one for like back to the gym. So let's say like someone hasn't trained lifted in a while and they're kind of going back. One for um at home. So like uh, I have a few moms and uh a few a few people. Yeah, usually all the guys can get to the gym, but I think it's mainly the moms that have a harder time getting to the gym. Um and they can do an at-home workout. And then we have a more uh standard workout that's for you know, athletes when you're already, I'm already lifting, but I need a little bit more help. What's the best lifting program for an athlete? So he wrote three different plans for us. And it's fantastic because it kind of fits in all the ways. And then what I do with each person is I have kind of like, um, well, it's a word doc, but I have all the things that are necessary for a competition. And then for each individual, we figure out the spots that they're lacking. Like, for example, you're like, I didn't have a strategy. Um, or another person might be like, um, my schedule is crazy. Help me make a better schedule so I can train smarter and not harder. Um, a lot of different things. Some people overtrain, some people don't train properly. Um, some people are super focused on something that doesn't work for their body type, which is Mm. wild, but they're like, my professor does it. And I'm, and I think in my head, like I cannot do what Andre Galval does. Like (laughs) I'm not the same person. 
this is totally different body style. Like I want to have jujitsu like him, but I try to figure out what people um you can like emulate. Is that the is that the right word? Like emulate yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So we really work it like one on one. But I kinda lost my train of thought, sorry. No, you're good. So you, you kinda is bad. <laughs> me too. Me too. I have a checklist of everything I have to do, otherwise I forget stuff. <laughs> oh, I just wrote a checklist of what I want to talk about. So what's the ultimate goal with this online coaching for people? Like, is it to make them a better athlete, more rounded, win world titles, or is it dependent on the person? I think for me, what I want is just to have nobody feel what I felt and have nobody have the struggles that I had. So if I can just help them in whichever way that that is best for them. So more one-on-one because... Man, it was too many things. I have this dream, but I have no no guidebook on how to get there. Like, so lost. Like, yeah. And if you ask people, like, imagine you ask one question at the gym to, like, six different people. They're all going to give you different answers. Yeah. And it's so confusing as a lower belt. You're just like, well, what do I actually do? Because this guy told me to do this sweep, but is it really good for me or does he just like this sweep? Like, things like that happen all the time. And so, and, and it's nobody's fault. Like, for example, like I love arm bars. So I'll be like, okay, I'm going to teach arm bars in a seminar. I'm going to teach arm bars, but for my clients, I might say like, Hey, you would be really good at rubber guard. You have super bendy legs and they're really long, or you would be really great at triangles and help them figure out how the best way to find this position and the best strategy to get there. Even though it's not my thing and it's what's probably best for them. So we give them different options like that. So I think that that is just my main thing is like I never want anyone to feel the shit that I felt and deal with the crap that I dealt with. And I mean, I guess it makes you stronger or it's God's plan or whatever, but it sucks. <laughs> and so I, I I hope that my program can help people in, in that way. Yeah. So what were some of these struggles that you're talking about? Was it mentally, physically? Like, what what were some of these struggles? Everything. Jiu-Jitsu is a sport that is very, that does not love you back. Um, in order to be the best, you have to always have a good diet. You always have to train. Uh, you have to give, like, your soul to be the best. And, and then even at that point, to hold on to being the best is impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that I was ever the best, but I wanted to be there in that 1% and just trying to, to get there was, it's, it's so hard and it doesn't pay and you have to find sponsors and you have to yeah. like hustle and you have to find jobs because some, some of these kids, their parents pay their way, but my parents didn't pay my way at all. And I have to pay for my school and I have to pay and I have to and my work and I have to try to find a place where I can afford to train, still train two times per day, have that schedule fit in between my work, make enough money to survive, to eat and to have a <laughs> nutrition. And it's wild. Yeah. And I still not even know what I'm doing because no one gave me a rule book like I would read it for school to be an esthetician. They give you this book and mm-hmm. they're like hey, read this shit, and you read it, and then you could be an esthetician. It's super easy. There's no jujitsu book, like, 
do this. So if any of you guys want to make that book, that's great. Hit me up. We can collaborate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely, it's, it's kind of one of those things too, where like you mentioned before, when it comes to coaching or teaching, um, people, jujitsu like curates to your body style, the way you learn or whatever. And so like you mentioned, uh, I'm five, eight, 200 210 pounds right i just did a seminar with uh andreas morales i think is her last name uh she is down for uh an aries she lives over here in a black belt over here in tri-cities area mm -hmm. yeah, yeah 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 so she came and did a seminar with us and um i've never had the opportunity to train with like a high level uh woman before so like seeing her in person and mm -hmm. i was like blown away did you right but I didn't get to because our oh, seminar ended at at, at eight thirty, and uh, I was like, I got to get home before I get a divorce. Like, <laughs> she's good. yeah, Girl. yeah. So she, I was talking to her on Instagram afterwards, and she's gonna try to come by again. I would love to roll with her because um, the stuff that she was showing was just like great too. I was like, man, this is so good, and it was working for me. Even though her body is obviously very different than mine, it was mm -hmm. working for me. Um, but it, yeah, and it, it's hard because. You know, you'll see other people in class or even other competitors that are in the same weight class as you, same belt, and they're doing these things that you're like, they're inverting or barren bullowing, right? It's like typically mm -hmm. the thing people always joke about. And it's hard to be like, I can't do that. Like, how come they can do that? And yeah. I can't, how, how do you, how do you coach people to overcome seeing what other people are doing, even within their own competition bracket to not have that affect them when they do compete? Oh, that's a great question. Like, for example, if, if you were my client, I would try to work on things that would work for you. So, like, uh, for example, if you want to play guard, I would try to find good guards that would work for you. You could do spider guard because to sweep a big boy, to lift that weight up and elevate him. I saw two big boys the other day at a roughing here in Mexico, and one did a spider lasso sweep. It was beautiful. Mm. And it took the other guys by surprise because normally the two big guys just stand up and dance around lock and horns so, like rams <laughs> yeah so the other guy had a good strategy to go in there and he and the first attempt it didn't go so well but he had a good good plan i i would help you design a strategy that felt comfortable for you so that you would say like oh that guy can bear and bolo but i can smash his bear and bolo and do this and mm. that and we would try to find different ways to make a strategy that was comfortable for you. I don't like my clients to watch or my athletes to watch other people and make a strategy around their game. I like them to watch their opponents and say like, okay, that guy likes Baron Bolo. Um, but I also like to pull guard and I like a uh, scissor sweep. So I'm going to pull first. It's going to be really hard for this dude to set up a Barrett Bolo while he's inside my guard, especially yeah. 200 pounds. Um, and we can start to go from there. Um, so I really just try to make them more confident in their jujitsu and help them find the details that they may be doing wrong or maybe need a little improvement. And then um, I feel like some of that self-doubt starts to go away because like, for example, there's a girl, Margot Ciccarelli. I She's my friend, but I don't even know how to say her last name. <laughs> I mean, she's not like my BFF, but I like her. She's very cool. Um, but anyway, uh, I don't know if you know who she is, uh, but she has really beautiful jujitsu. 
And I like to train with her. And sometimes I watch her, I'm like, wow, that's pretty. My jujitsu is not like that. My jujitsu is smashy. Um, I like pressure passing. I like, sometimes I do things like float passing or I'll do like, maybe like a baby bolo or something, but I'm never doing anything super wild. Like I'll do some lasso lapel. I, I am never going to have that jujitsu, but I am very confident in my game. And when I trade with her, we go back and forth. It's really good. So I think that it's something you kind of have to go get out of your head that like, just because the other person's jujitsu is this or that, it doesn't mean it's so much better than yours. Like you have to just realize and focus on the things that you're good at and solidify those. So that's kind of what I help them do. And I feel like it really builds confidence and kind of cuts down those insecurities a little bit. Yeah. Insecurities are definitely something that kind of plagued me a little bit too, when it came to wanting to compete, because obviously no one wants to get exposed on, on the mats, especially in competition. Mm -hmm. How, how do you, how do you, Obviously, if people come to you for coaching, they already have this. Uh, they might want to compete. Um, how do you build that confidence in people through online coaching? Because you can't typically always be there in person. How do you build that confidence in your athletes to uh, step on the mat for the first time or to be competitive and have that competitive mindset? I think preparation. To not get it too into it, but preparation. Like, um, What's an example? You go somewhere new that you've never been before, like, um, let's say you go to the Philippines, you went to the Philippines, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say they just dropped you off on your own and you didn't know where to buy the groceries, you didn't know, like, where to eat that's not going to make you sick, you didn't know, like, all these things, right? Like, um, which bike to buy or how to get from point A to point B, what's the best transportation, here, here, I do all those things in Mexico. I'm learning all those things. Like, this month has been insane. <laughs> I learned which place to buy juice. Like, some places they say, don't buy juice in the street. But I bought juice in an actual store, and it made me violently ill. And then Ooh. I had a jiu-jitsu class. So, like, I'm learning, right? But the next time I go, like, the next time I – or, for example, I'm still here. But, like, for you, the next time you go to the Philippines, what's going to happen? Oh, I, I know the lay of the land better. I was prepared. I had A, B, and C. You're going to feel more confident, right? You're not going to yep. feel as threatened, like you're going to get human trafficked or whatever. I mean, you probably won't, but I, I mean, I don't know. You seem like you probably have good organs and stuff. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm relatively healthy. They might <laughs> yeah, want them. <laughs> um, but you feel like a little less tension. You feel a little bit more calm. Like competition is always going to be scary. I'm still scared. I still get nervous. I still like have negative thoughts try to go into my head I have to push them out all the time um but I think if I give them the correct tools and we prepare properly they go into that competition being like okay I'm ready the we're gonna do the best we can today and that is like a world it's like worlds of help like it's you you can't imagine the difference between having like all the tools in the preparation than just like how I used to walk in and be like, all right, arm bar. <laughs> yeah. Today, we're here with a sponsor for your bundle, Bouncing of Joy. 
No, we're not talking about a baby. We're talking about your baby makers. That's right. Today's show is brought to you by Manscaped. But just like your babies, your delicate little guys have sensitive skin and deserve products that are not only skin safe, but made with safe ingredients. That's where Manscaped's Platinum Package comes in. From razors to shower care, this package goes above and beyond the gold standard for your body hair. So treat your beautiful boys <laughs> to the world's finest toys at manscaped.com using code ETP20 for 20% off plus free shipping. Inside the Platinum Package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Ultimate Premium Body Wash, Ultimate Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, Ultimate Premium Deodorant, Crop Preserver Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Spray Toner, Anti-Chafing Boxer, and the Shed Travel Bag to hold all your goods while you're traveling. Like I mentioned before, the shampoo, conditioner, the body wash, and the deodorant are my three favorite things I've ever received from Manscaped. And the deodorant smells great. It's aluminum-free, clear, and it works phenomenally. My wife even mentioned, she's like, man, you don't smell for someone that is using aluminum-free deodorant. It's like, yeah, thanks, babe. That's because of Manscaped. Thank you, Manscaped, for that. <laughs> the Platinum Package 4.0 covers all bases from head to toe and hair to ball fro. Get 20% off and free shipping with code ETP20 at checkout. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using code ETP20 at checkout because the gold standard is no longer good enough. Thank you, Manscaped. Yeah, having a coach, it also um, kind of takes away that a little bit of the stress, too, because it's something less you have to worry about because you know your coach is handling it for you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like um, like either a warm-up or a mindset or developing a strategy better suits your body. So I think having a coach is just, man, it is a big difference. When I competed, I didn't have a coach there. Mm -hmm. And... I mentioned this on, on previous episodes too, but the guys I was competing against had coaches, every yeah. single one of them. And so I was hearing what their coach was saying during our matches and two things were happening. I was like, man, I wish I had a coach here because I could be hearing my coach tell me what yeah. to do. And then two, I was just kind of countering what their coach was telling them to do. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like they're like, I heard like, go for the underhook. So I would stop the underhook. And then yeah. the coach was saying something else. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I'm kind of, I'm a step ahead, but a step behind in a sense, because I'm just literally trying to stop what their coach is telling them to do while still trying to develop my plan. When you compete, do you prefer having a coach there or not having a coach? Um, well, just one second before you ask that question is uh, back to that is that's the nice thing about our program is I help them prepare because like, for example, Andre and Angelica cannot come to every match for everybody. Like, they're not going to go to the grappling industries da, 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 on their only Sunday free that they don't have to travel for work. Like, that's insane. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's scary to compete alone. And that's part of what the, my program gives you is, like, we prepare you. We, we give you tools. You have the proper, um, the proper warm-up. We work on your mindset. We work on your strategy. Da, 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 da. Everything is ready for you. And I'm there with you, like, in the morning. Like, hey – what are we going to do? Okay. And then a lot of times too, like texting between matches, this happened, that happened. Here's the video. Any kids, I have to fight them again in open class. So that's a good point because, and that comes back to the point is like, I don't really, I don't really like having someone coaching me. I do like having someone there supporting me. Mm. Um, I had a coach at Blue Belt who didn't show up for me for pans and promised he would. 
and it was devastating and the the thing for me was I had to realize that um, a lot of people just aren't going to show up for you or show up for you. They're only going to show up for you in the way that they can. And this applies to everything in life, not just jujitsu. So I started to just make sure that I had someone there. And one of my favorite matches was actually at a blue belt, was at blue belt. It was a local competition. And one of my friends, she was a brown belt at the time. And she was like, yay, Heather, good job. And I was like, this is great. I still I still hear her on the video. It's so adorable. Maybe yeah. she was purple at the time. I don't remember. Purple or brown. No, she was purple at the time. And I was like, man, this is nice. Just having someone cheer for you. Like, yeah. And that's what I tell a lot of my students because some of them travel far to go and compete and their coach can't come. And I was like, okay, well, like, let's try to find somebody who can film the match for you. Even someone like... Um, if you have a friend there or know somebody that can help you warm up, if not, this is what we do. And if so, this is what we do. So we always have a plan so that nobody feels that feeling that I had that day where I was like, I put in all this work and I'm just looking around, like looking at my phone, looking around, like, where is this dude? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had uh, like friends there that were competing. And to your point, 100%, when I heard a friend going, you got it, Travis. I was like, Oh my God, thank you so much. <laughs> Right? Yeah, it's really. But yeah, I, when I competed, I competed in CrossFit and weightlifting, and uh, in in weightlifting, when you're you're lifting, it's kind of like golf. It's very quiet when you're stepping up to the platform, you're grabbing the barbell. But then the second you start to initiate the lift, people start to cheer, and then there's a pause when you're about to go for the jerk, right? So everyone lets you concentrate. Then when you hit the jerk, then the people are start cheering and everything like that. Oh. Um, but I didn't I didn't like being coached when I competed in CrossFit and weightlifting. Because I don't know, it was just like it was distracting to me. Like I'm already suffering. I don't need someone to tell me keep pushing. Like yeah. obviously I know because the workout's not done. You know what I mean? But when it came to the jujitsu, it was a completely different thing. I needed someone to tell me to keep pushing because it was like so much mentally harder. You know what I mean? Like I I was like I was baffled at at how difficult it was mentally for me. Not my first match. My first match I felt great. I was like I crushed it. But then my second and third match, I, I honestly, I was like, I don't even care. Like, I, I don't have that dog in me anymore. Like, I don't, oh, yeah. I don't have that will to like persevere right now. I also had other things that happened to me. Like, I was, I had, I was completely fasted. I was dehydrated. Uh, I because did not know what was going on. Cutting weight. I had to cut just, I just had to cut two pounds overnight just because I was a little. But then I, when I, so quick backstory, when I showed up. I was 206. I needed to be 208, right? So I was like, perfect. Well, I'll just chill and not not drink or eat anything. That way, when I do my official weigh-in, uh, I I know that I'm good. But in weightlifting, you know when it's the official weigh-in because it's the only way. And like they say, you know, they tell you like, okay, you're good, blah, blah, blah. When I stepped over to the scales, I didn't know I was weighing in. The guy was just like, all right, Travis model. Okay. Uh, I was like, all right, is that it? He's like, yeah. So I was like, what do I do now? Like, he's like, well, you just hang out over here. And I was like, okay. And so I was like standing there and I was like, well, I don't know if that was like, if they were just checking my weight because someone uh, had told me, someone had told me you weigh in right before you step on the mat. Yeah. Right. And so I was like, I was like, okay, well maybe I got to weigh in again before I step on the mat for my match. I was like, that's kind of weird. They're really strict about weight cutting. If that's the, if that's true, but come to find out that was my official weigh in. So yeah. I sat there the whole time and I wasn't really drinking any water, or like eating yeah. anything, getting any fuel in my system. And then next thing you know, they're like, okay, 
let's go to your 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 mat and i was like oh shit that was the weigh-in i've been sitting here for like 20 30 minutes just and you could have had a banana a little rice exactly and so that was a that was a big thing for me was the timing i didn't understand like there was no one there that was telling me like all right man you're good that was the weigh-in what was the competition it was the revolution over here oh i know the rev yeah they're organized pretty well like i I think that's a that's a good one yeah yeah and so especially for that one yeah that those are all things too and like if you think about it it's like and that's another reason why i did the program is because like your professor i mean it's kind of one of those things where it's like you figure it out because your professor can't go to every single person and be like yeah what's your strategy let's watch your footage like that's what you pay private lessons for yeah but i mean it's and you can do that option as well like book a private with someone and ask them all the questions but like it's there's no there's no book like there there should be a book i'm gonna keep saying this and then someone's gonna make a book (laughs) so leading up to a competition do you think it's a good idea for people to do privates with their professors uh to kind of yeah yes I think that um, I think that that gives that one on one this the similar as my program and it is definitely gives that one on one you're able to kind of talk about your plan and say like hey I'm competing can you help me build this strategy and that's more like a little extra time because think about it like if your professor has a smaller gym they probably have a second job they have a second job they have yeah. a family like you're paying them probably like 120 to 160 bucks a month for a month, a month. And for example, at Atos, I was paying like 120 and divide that by, I probably trained about 14 hours a week there minimum, maybe let's say 16 hours a week. So, and so if I'm paying him $2 an hour, I can't be like, Hey, you have to build me a strategy. Yeah, true. Like, this is wild. So a lot of people think like, and there's another thing is a lot of people think jujitsu is free, but if you calculate what you're paying them, like it's not, it's, it's a business as well. Like it's a sport, it's tradition, it's a martial art, but like we have to feed ourselves. We have to feed our families. Our professors have to feed our, their families, your professor. So yes. Yeah. Privates are, are fantastic. So if you have a higher belt in your gym, like even a purple belt or your professor, someone above you, I think it's very important and very crucial for you to take private lessons, like at least one, maybe a week before just to fine tune details or two weeks before if you feel completely lost three weeks before, if you're like, I've never done this before. Yeah. So who do you, who do you go to for your coaching now when you're getting ready for like you have, like you said, Masters World next year, like how are you preparing for, for competing? Um, so... It's a little hard. If I have big questions, I'll message Galvao. I'm planning. So I'm doing the Noki Worlds, but in the master division. Um, so I'm planning on just going back for three weeks to Atos because I think it'll be like, I have good training here. The nice thing about Mexico is a lot of the guys are a little bit smaller than like Corn Fred. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> or even San Diego. The, San Diego, the price of living was really the, the biggest yeah. Oh my gosh, I was paying like three grand for a dinky apartment and barely driving. But um, yeah, so in my parents' city, 
is like everyone's massive but here the guys are smaller get really good technical rounds from like the smaller guys um but in autos is like you can't compare so i'll probably do at least like two or three weeks there before my competition week um so like a month total or three weeks total and sometimes like i think one is i always have somebody that i can learn from um even here in mexico some of like the ogs they've been doing jiu-jitsu like 20 years they used to live Mm. in brazil they came back here to open gyms so if it's like a technical thing i'll look i'll look there or online i feel too is like a lot of people have different styles so it's always nice to kind of hey i want to work on this like i want to work on my leg locks i want to work on um lapel i want to work on this or that so i can always find someone and we can kind of collaborate so that's always nice for me personally yeah i think this too is that's why i do need to go back to atos four camps like a couple times per year especially if i'm consistently competing which i will be the next year so perfect well heather uh i want to just thank you so much for your time today this is a great conversation i think people are going to find a lot of value in it especially when it comes to like mindset and the reason why you should be hiring a coach if you want to take competing seriously um the the one question i always like to end the show with is if you could give one piece of advice to a brand new white belt starting their journey in jujitsu what would it be uh one piece of advice enjoy the process (laughs) yeah jujitsu is (laughs) hard but it's fun it's worth it yeah yeah that's that's uh very common people people i think people take it uh don't take advantage of that that uh piece of advice i'll tell you that (laughs) so all right well if people want to follow you and check you out and see your coaching and stuff like that uh where where can people find you at um i'll send you the links over but it's i have a website it's heatherwoodsjujitsu.com um my instagram is heather n woods um and then i also have h dot H. Woods BJJ. I actually don't remember. I'm gonna say <laughs> one page that's like my personal Instagram, and then I have one page that's only jujitsu. Like I keep it very professional. Um, only, only anything that's jujitsu related. The other one is just a little bit like my life and whatever I feel like. So yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you, Heather, once again so much. Go enjoy your your trade and your privates. Uh, good luck. Uh, I'm sure I'll keep in touch with you and. I look forward to seeing you win that gold medal. <laughs> it's really nice meeting you. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, guys. And remember, guys, thank you for listening and watching at home. And uh, remember, no oil checks here. Thanks. Peace. Bye. <laughs>